The views and opinions expressed in the following paid program are those of the host, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this station, its management, or owners. Now it's time to talk about everything dogs, cats, and other domestic animals. This is Animal Talk. Here's Dr. Dan Lang on the Big 550 KTRS. Hello and welcome to Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS with Dr. Dan Lang. I'm Connor McCarthy here on a, a warmer Sunday than it has been the past couple of days, Dr. Lang. How was the snow, the storm? Uh, Friday was pretty bad out there during the daytime. Uh, how, did, how did things go out there for you? Well, I am a northerner, and so Thursday night they were going on and on about the snow but how how warm the pavement was, and I just kind of figured everything was going to melt. Well, I had a heavy schedule that I had to play pickleball Friday morning, and then a bunch of us went to breakfast. But on the way home around noon or 1 o'clock, it was nasty. It did it get did. pretty bad. Yeah, it kind of so caught I people had off guard. To eat my words yeah. on that, that it was much worse than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, you thought, so. oh, no, it's, these people are... <laughs> they're worrying for nothing. Uh, it's uh, not real snow. I know real snow from up <laughs> north. Uh, but it was pretty pretty bad out there. Uh, but it's cleared up now, By you know, even by Saturday. I think it was pretty much fine, and now now it's melting. It's getting a little warmer out there. And you mentioned that, you know, even by this week, you know, it might be in the high 60s, yep. high 70, low 70s, you know. It's almost spring, you know. Um, well, speaking of spring, you know, in a few minutes, maybe we need to talk about allergies. I'm I, just trying I to help think, with the transition here. I think here. we do need to talk about allergies. <laughs> what was it? Uh, it was uh, the Groundhog Day. Pup, uh, Phil said it was going to be an early spring, and I guess he was right. It's it's an early spring. Or our daffodils are poking their stems or their whatever through the ground. So oh, yeah? Okay. Uh, well, I think they the, know something we don't if know. If so. it's not ground, if it wasn't the groundhog, it's, it's the, the daffodils. daffodils. <laughs> They're telling you it's an early spring. Yep. Uh, so it is warming up out there. Uh, we've talked about allergies before. We talked about uh, probably around this time last year about how how what to do for allergies for your pet. Uh, of course, everyone knows about allergies for you dealing with allergies. Uh, you know to whatever you're allergic to out there but how do you deal with allergies for your pets they can't tell you they're allergic to something they can't tell you that they're stuffed up or or whatnot so allergies for your pets how common is it dr Wang? well a lot of times when i'm trying to get a history if people say certain key points i can often narrow down what the problem is and classically for allergies for dogs and cats it's more licking their feet because as they're walking through the grass, it gets kind of itchy. Okay. So they think by licking their feet, that'll help. Well, of course, sometimes it'll make it even worse. Like if you and I are scratching, sometimes the more you scratch, the itchier it gets. Or they scoot on their bottom, or finally they shake their head because their ears itch. So those are kind of the those classic signs. Those are the common signs. signs. But the signs are more skin-related and not the respiratory. Yes, they can have a little bit of eye or nose discharge. But they don't have the respiratory signs that most people. They don't. They have. don't get. They don't get what we get. Or it's, it just shows differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, they're often allergic to the same old stuff. And St. Louis is not a good area 
I was going to say, what did you say before? You know, how can we make sure that you know, they don't suffer from allergies? And Just move. move. <laughs> uh, which probably isn't available for uh, most of the people out there listening. If it is, maybe you can, I assume, like in Arizona, right? They're probably not going to deal with any allergies down yeah, there. pretty minimal. Just uh, summer all, all year around. Well, when it gets to 150, I guess it kind of helps take care of the allergens a little different bit. Different problems, the sure, <laughs> right. right? You can't go out in the pavement. You, uh, you got different problems out there. Uh, but allergies... <laughs> They're more of a skin problem. They're less of a respiratory problem. That's correct. You said, you know, what they're ordered to is usually or can be the same things. Is that so, you know, rag, ragweed, uh, pollen, is this what they're all allergic to? A lot of them are with that. And then we see a lot that are allergic like the dust mites in our house. You know, some of us have problems. You get dust mites in your bed or mites of some sort. Mm-hmm. And some people are allergic to it. And there are things in the house, especially dust mites, that animals are allergic to. But when they're outside, it is the grass and the pollen and the mold, what often many of us are allergic to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have a text here on the text line, 84126. If you want to text in, uh, join the conversation. Uh, it's not really about allergies, but it has to do with sneezing. Uh, is it true that dogs sneeze when they are happy? Have you heard that, Dr. Wang? I think so. I, I Yeah? I think sometimes when they do get excited, they do start sneezing. Mm-hmm. So, yes. But they don't sneeze. When but it's just for a few seconds. I mean, it's just a couple times, and that's it. But they're not going to sneeze from the allergies, for the most part. It's, that's correct. It's going to be a skin problem, not necessarily a, a respiratory problem, sneeze problem, like we get most commonly. Although, of course, if you're allergic to something, I'm sure you have, you might have seen your skin have a rash or sure. allergic reaction. Like poison ivy. I mean, if you if, yeah. you, if your body, the humans, if your body comes in contact with something, yes, you can develop a reaction. But we think in many cases it's inhalant that the animals actually inhale the mold or the pollen oh. or the dust mites, and that sets off the skin skin reaction. I didn't realize that. So it's not actually about them touching it, although well, it can be. Well, that is it a factor as well, but they're kind of thinking in recent years that it's more inhalant that's the problem, that that's how they be- develop the allergies or the allergic reaction or however you want to mm-hmm. Describe it. Well, okay. Outside of moving, then, <laughs> what can we do to mitigate this? What can we do to, to help them out? Because, uh, as you know, if you, if you have any allergies, it can really, really be uh, a painful experience. And I'm sure it is for them as well, for the pets. So what can we do to actually help them out here? Well, a lot of times I'll just start, start with antihistamines like the Benadryl, the Zyrtec, Claritin, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work antihistamines as well in animals as it does in people to control the clinical signs, but 30 to 40% seem to do okay with it. So I tell people, try it for two weeks. If it doesn't help with the itching, then we may need to resort to something else. Now, but- is that something that people can just do? They say, well, you know, my dog's been scratching or licking his paws, uh, exhibiting these signs that you said. I'm just going to give them some some Benadryl. Is that something they can just do, or should they come and talk to a vet first? It's not going to cause any harm to do it as long as they realize the limitations. But uh, but I have some people complain about that it kind of sedates the pet, like some people I think are mm-hmm. a little sedated with the medication. Um, but I, I have no problem. If somebody calls me on the phone, especially a client, they want to try something over the counter, I'll suggest the... Antihistamines and tell them get back to me in two weeks if things aren't any any better. Now, do people need to be aware of the dosage? You know, normally you might you might take two Benadryl if you need to take it, but the dog probably isn't going to take two. Is that 
Am well, I right in thinking this, or do you just go ahead and get them the same? Animals in general with medications, because of their met- faster metabolism, they actually take higher dosages. Oh, they take more. Because I've had some human doctors kind of second-guess me. You know, let's say the dog was in heart failure, and I would tell them the dosages of Lasix or whatever, mm-hmm. and they just had a fit because I was well, overdosed their much, dog. Right. right. They thought it was too much because they know the human dosages very well. But like Benadryl, a lot of times we do a milligram per pound. So if you have a 25-pound dog, you know, that's, I think usually it's 50 milligrams. I'm going blank right here. But let's say if you have a 50-milligram mm-hmm. tablet, it's half a tablet. Half a tablet. Yeah. You know, I would have thought you would give them less, right? They weigh so much less. Normally it's about yep. the weight. But they just burn the medicine because of their higher metabolism. They just break the medicine down generally much quicker mm. than people. So they just need a higher higher dosage. So some people kind of... You'll look at me like, I'm not sure that's the dosage I want to get. And a lot of times they give a much lower dosage. Well, that's not going to do any good. So It just wouldn't even do anything. Right. It's like if you take a baby aspirin instead of you know, a full dose yeah. of an aspirin. And so uh, they say, oh, my God, those antihistamines didn't work. Well, you didn't get the right dosage. And sometimes you have to do it twice a day, not once every four days. You know, Because yeah. they may just do it sporadically. You know, life gets in the way. I understand. <laughs> I'm, of course, being facetious, but... You, you have to do at least twice a day with most of the antihistamines. Some are once a day, but um, you just have to do it frequently. And a lot of times with animals, sometimes it's as simple as you just wash their feet when they come in after the grass starts right. coming up. I was going to say, and are there that any non, the non-drug uh, methods here? Yep. Although a lot of yep. the times, I'm sure it has to you just result to a, some kind of uh, drug response because – how else are you going to stop the allergies? It's if it's in the air, it's in the air. You're not going to yep. not be able to breathe it in. Uh, but so you know, is is washing them off? That's that's a, that's a good way to do it. We hosing them down. If I'd, it's if they're breathing them in, does that does that fix it? If that's the new thought that they're kind of breathing in these allergies. Well, they breathe it in, but it results in skin irritation. So bathing or applying topical medications. We've gotten more aggressive in the last three or four years. That we've been kind of lax in that. Yeah, give them a pill, and that mm-hmm. will take care of it. But if the problem is the skin, why not be aggressive on the bathing? But of course, you know, a lot of animals, cats especially, don't. You know, that's not high on their list of fun things to do. Right. But the bathing does help a lot, and of course, the limitations of the topical, they may just lick the topical stuff off, which generally won't hurt them, but it doesn't do much good. Yeah, people say, "Well, I put that stuff on you, told me, and they just licked it right off," and I'm thinking, well. Wouldn't common sense, you'd want to intervene and not have them lick it off? Not, but yeah, right. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe I just was too naive or didn't understand, yeah. but or maybe I get angry and say something I shouldn't. So I usually, okay, okay, you know, just try to keep them from licking at it for mm-hmm. a short period of time. So. Right. Now, most of the time when I'm thinking of allergies, I'm thinking of dogs, right? They're getting outside. They're getting into things. That's what dogs do. Uh, but you just mentioned that maybe you know a cat could have something. You need to give them a bath. That's a pain. Is allergies in cats, is that, I mean, I can't imagine it's as common, right? But it it does happen? I don't think so. But, again, the bottom line is that I feel fleas are the most common cause of allergies. Oh. There's the saliva of the flea. When it bites the person, they're allergic to the saliva. So but when the, I'm sorry, when the dog when they, or cat bites the, yeah. the, the the dog cat. So is that that's what causes the reaction to fleas? It's not the actual fleas on them. It's that there is an allergic reaction yep. from the bites. Yep. Uh, that's interesting. I've never really thought of that. That I it, thought they would have just not liked the bugs being on them, or do they not even really well, care I think that's about a factor. that? You can imagine if something's curling between right. your hairs that 
it might be a little bit itchy, but I think the the big thing is the actual flea bite itself. Well, now there's so many night good products, and I like the topical flea products because usually it will kill the flea before it bites them. In the past, and we still have them, our oral products, but usually the flea has to bite, suck blood to get the insecticide if it's an oral treatment. And by then, to me, the damage, so to speak, has been done, mm. that they've done the Flea bite. Got but bite. flea control is very, very important when it comes to allergies. It yeah. kind of goes hand in hand. I kind of thought they were separate things, but you're saying they should really be considered the same thing. If you're getting treatment for allergies, you should be getting treatment for fleas too. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure we've talked we've talked about fleas before, but is there a, you know is it flea season? Are we about to start flea season? They're going outside. Is that a thing? Do they happen in the winter? Is it less common? Either way, is there a way, is there, what should people be doing to prepare for the fleas? I recommend in St. Louis around the 1st of March, just start the flea stuff. Just, okay. I don't care what the weather is. I mean, this year, maybe you need to maybe start even now earlier. almost, depending on, I know the next week or so, it's supposed to be pretty mild, but if it stays above the 50s. You might need to start we, doing it now. Yeah. And, yep. you know, we've talked, there are shorter term things, there are, a, you know, longer term flea prevention. Maybe we can go over that a little bit right here for people that might might not have heard it. Uh, well, it's kind of overwhelming. There's a multitude of products, but now there's two products out that prevent heartworms, a good number of intestinal parasites, fleas, and ticks. So I just would recommend just do the a couple of one. products. Talk to your doctor. Talk to the veterinarian. But why not just do it all? I mean, we do recommend flea, tick, heartworm prevention year-round, especially with our crazy weather. I mean, Christmas time, Christmas day at 60 degrees. It was warm. You know, was and warm. I just think... I don't know if it's climate change. I'm not going to get into that. But I just think that the weather is going to continue to get warmer and warmer through the years. And I just think it's better for everybody, especially the animals, that uh, you just do it all the time. I know it's hard to talk people into it when we had that bitter cold week. Probably not too many fleas. There probably aren't too many fleas out and about. uh, And you're probably not going out and about either. Uh, So it's, you know, unless they're in the house, you're probably not going to get them. But, you know, it is something to think about. it, you know, it seems like that's probably one of the more common problems with with animals is you know dealing with the fleas and ticks and heartworm. Uh, so it's just kind of something you got to do all the time. Right? I just I just think you get in the habit of it. I mean, many many years ago when I started practicing in the eighties, I think our weather was much colder overall, and a lot of times we'd say wait till March first to start so, heartworm prevention. Mm-hmm. But now with the crazy up and down with the weather. I think most veterinarians would agree in the St. Louis area. Just just do it all the time because a lot of times people would intend to start the first of March, but then it gets to be June or July. Oh yeah, I got to get get started. Yeah, you have a if plan you do it year round, yeah. you're in the habit like a lot of other habits that we all do. Mm-hmm. I just think it's easier to just go that route. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a text uh, question in on the text line, uh, and it doesn't really have anything to do with allergies, but that's fine. We'll take all kinds of questions from the three one four. I've taken in a beagle rescue. He was in a doghouse fire as a pup and has a scar on his back. Should I put anything on it? Dr. Lang. Well, the dilemma is, is it a fresh scar? or I mean, if uh, to me, I'm picturing the scar where the, the hair won't grow back. Mm. If it's just kind of scar tissue, I don't think you need to do anything so at all. So if, if, if the kind of it looks older, hair, your fur is grown over it, you know, is that less to can be concerned right. about? Maybe right. just kind of be aware that it's there. Uh, if there it does seem to be a but problem. But if there is, if the tissue is kind of uh, weeping, seems painful. Well, the other thing is, if you touch the the tissue, where the scar is, if it doesn't hurt the animal, then it's probably fine. It's, it's probably scar fine. tissue. 
even though the hair may not grow back, because often burns are deep enough, they kill the hair follicles and the hair won't grow back. Just like you and I, or some people having scars on your mm-hmm. head, there's a little bald spot. But if if it is more of a fresh burn, there is, I believe it's Sylvadine, but there's something you can get over the counter and it works great for burns. Or topical to, type to relieve type pain thing. to kind of spur the healing. What I think it's it more the healing. Yes, that's a good point. I mean, if there is pain or discomfort, then probably need to talk to the veterinarian mm-hmm. about getting some oral pain medication. Sure. Uh, it, this this kind of just spurred a question in my mind. We've talked about cosmetic uh, procedures before. Does you know does hair replacement ever fall into that, Doctor Lang? Do they are there people that you know? Don't like a bald spot on their dog, maybe from an injury, maybe from a burn, and they they try to rectify that. that, Have you ever seen that? Well, what I have done a few times, if it's not real large like half the body, I will actually remove the scar tissue and sew sew the skin together, together. and then the hair will will grow back because you've removed all the scar, what we call granulation tissue. So many times, not many times, but I've... Done that a, a fair number. There is of time, kind so. of a thing. There is kind of something a oh, little yeah. bit. I, People, you know, I was gonna. You get vain about your animals, or yeah. maybe it's like this that everybody <laughs> when they see that pet, they go, "Oh my God, what happened?" And maybe you sure, just get tired of sure. telling people. People ask yeah. them, "Well, how did I get that?" You know, so yeah. just to shut everybody up, <laughs> just to kind of stop the question. Let's just take care of it. Let's just take care of it now. <laughs> Everything will look fine, look normal. All right, this is Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS with Dr. Dan Lang. I'm Connor McCarthy here taking questions, all kinds. We've been talking allergies. We'll have some more things to talk about on the other side of this break. This is Animal Talk. We'll be right back. Let's get back to information about dogs, cats, even furry hamsters or gerbils. This is Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS, the Animal Talk of St. Louis. Welcome back to Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS. I'm Connor McCarthy with Dr. Dan Lang. We've been talking a little bit about allergies, and before the break, we took a question about this uh, beagle with a some scar tissue on its back, uh, and they texted back in. Thank you, my beagle is five, and the injury happened when he was a pup. Uh, but my dad seemed to think I needed to be putting something on it. It doesn't seem to bother Walter, I don't think so. the dog. I guess his name to Walter. So if if the tissue doesn't smell, it's not painful when you touch it. I just think it's a scar, and I'm just teasing. Of course, if you want to give me a call, we can do some plastic surgery if, if you like. <laughs> but seriously, nothing needs to be done. But you know, you know that you kind of said this before with a lot of different kinds of injuries. If it's not bothering the dog, it's kind of you know. One of those things you just live with, right? Well, it bothers the people. Bothers the people. It bothers the people. And that's my logo. You know, you always have to treat the pet owners as well as the pets. You got to treat the pet pet owners almost better. Just another good example. They're the ones that can can yell at you, right? Uh, (laughs) Not the not the dogs. Uh, All right, Uh, this was in the news here uh, a little bit ago, Doctor Wang, and uh, I I don't want to get anything wrong. You're more of an expert on it than I am, but it was a. not to be too morbid, it was a death penalty case talking about a, a different kind of method of doing it. I believe this was in – you correct me if I'm wrong. Do you have the state in front of you? Was it in Louisiana? It was uh, – Yeah, I don't see it on my, the notes I have. It was a, it was a method of uh, the death penalty that you said, well, we used to do this with animals to put animals down. And you said that – 
it was ruled that you shouldn't be doing this with even animals, right? Is this is this correct? Many years ago, and I don't know how many now, a lot of times when there is less adoption agencies, a good number of animals may be euthanized at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it was much more economical to use a gas than to inject. You know, nowadays with animals for euthanasia, it's primarily an intravenous ejection of phenobarbital or pentobarbital. And uh, they would actually use nitrogen, and that will suffocate the animal or the person. Mm-hmm. There's no oxygen Right, so this, is, so this is what they wanted to do, and I believe they might have even done it for this person. Right. Uh, and so in recent years, they've outlawed it. They think that it took too long for the animals to die, and they just would panic. And even in this article I have, they, they say that the brain realizes it's going to die. It, it just isn't quick enough death, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. And if they outlawed it for animals, you know, I'm kind of thinking, well, why did they even consider this doing for this type of execution? Because the part of it was that apparently he just started to writhe and, you know, he just was all over the place because, of course, the body is fighting this lack of oxygen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I don't have enough notes or have read or seen, you know, did they give any kind of sedative or anything before? But I almost get the idea they just did the nitrogen, and I'm sure it wasn't very pleasant to see this gentleman fighting like his body fighting like it did and again why did they bring it up if it's outlawed for animals so that i just thought it was it's kind of morbid but i just thought it was kind of intriguing why they picked that type i guess before he had been given an injection and it got messed up and that type of thing but well um, this was really surprising to hear i know this was this was in the news and people were talking about it i think the way they were talking about it, that they were saying, well, this one, this way is, you know, a more humane way of doing something. So to hear you come in and say, well, you know, we actually used to do this um, with animals and the law changed. We said this was not, it was inhumane. It was the wrong way to be doing it. Uh, It really surprised me that, that, how could they even consider this? Did they not talk to any veterinarians, uh, anyone that had experience with this? It's interesting to bring that up, Connor. We have a national veterinary organization. It's called the American Veterinary uh, American Veterinary Medical Association, and I'm a member. There's probably ninety thousand veterinarians that are member, and I think it's not so much a law, but the group, the AVMA, as we call it, they thought that it was not fair to the animals okay. to do that. So it was kind of a policy or a recommendation. I mean, if somebody did it, I, you know, I don't think they get in trouble. But we just felt as veterinarians that it was just, I say painful, it's more emotional, not a physical pain. Mm -hmm. It wasn't fair for all these animals to be euthanized like that. And I think the AVMA actually even tried to contact if it was Louisiana or Oklahoma or wherever it was done. But um, apparently, maybe it had been planned already. Oh, so they did did try to reach out? Yep. Wow. Okay. That is... is, uh, Because they just feel like the slow suffocation causes fear mm-hmm. and i just think it's you know almost unbearable what, I mean, what the brain is going through and so i think it was highly recommended suggested whatever your terminology that that sh- shouldn't be the way to to go and how long ago did this did this change come about yeah it's a good question i i don't know mm-hmm. i i can work even, on a little even bit, from memory but, uh, you can't do, was it was it in your time uh when they were doing this <laughs> I, yeah, I I would say maybe the last twenty years. Okay, but so but it wasn't it wasn't recent, is what I mean. It right. wasn't within the last couple of yep. years yep. that they decided to do this. this That's correct. This has been around for a while. 
uh, that the, the, this, they decided this knowledge of this kind of method. Uh, so it, it was really surprising to hear about this, um, and uh, maybe they should they should have listened to the vets, uh, the veterinarians association uh, on this one. I think I think I think that would have been probably more wise. Well, even though they're case. animals, I mean, often they respond the same way, and animals do to many things, stimuli mm-hmm. that people do, and I would think they would want to listen to something like that. And now I think they kind of have an unpleasant situation going sure. on. What what. Uh, what the gentleman went right. uh, went through. Yes. Uh, moving on to maybe a little more lighter of a topic. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I do you remember I I told you that my car insurance was offering to bundle pet insurance with me with my car insurance policy. Now I, I don't have a pet right now, so I didn't <laughs> didn't did not feel the need to get any pet insurance. And you asked, well, what did they? What were they offering? What were they offering? I went through the process, got an imaginary quote for a pet that I don't have. Uh, and I will say it seemed to be about $20 a month and covering uh, some more things. You could get cheaper for covering less, maybe just the basic visits. Yep. You could even get a little bit more, maybe $25. And I saw that that more expensive one was actually covering physical therapy, acupuncture, and chiropractic services for the dogs or I've cats been impressed or cats. with the, with the uh, insurance companies. They seem to be very open-minded to alternative therapies you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, and there are some issues that we can deal with diet, and um, a lot of times they'll cover the diet as mm-hmm. well. So I'm I'm pretty impressed with the insurance companies. Maybe they listen to us. Maybe they listen know. to us. I was really surprised. We before we had <clears throat> talked about acupuncture and chiropractic, yeah. uh, you know, therapy. I, I had never considered this for for dogs, even even for people, frankly, uh, for acupuncture. Uh, and to see that this not only had they thought about this, this was in a, a policy you could go and buy. I'm sure I could have bought it two weeks ago, and it wouldn't have. They didn't add this in at the last second. It was very surprising to see. So maybe, as you said, you said at the conference there was a speaker on these yep. th- these issues. You got the bigger insurance companies putting them in there. We're talking about them, of course. So maybe the the change is kind of coming along slowly but surely, Doctor Lang. Well, I like it because there are some cases that Western medicine just can't take care of. And again, with that speaker at the conference I was three weeks ago or so, there were a number of cases they talked about that, mm-hmm. you know, they had tried other things. And when they did the acupuncture or certain herbs that uh, it, 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 it helped. helped. Right. So it I, helped it's out. nice that it's available for people uh, that, you know, the insurance would cover because I think that's a good thing. So maybe if you have pet insurance, you can see if they offer it for you. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if what I, what the brands are. Uh, this was just looking at Progressive. I don't know if they're just getting into it, if there are other more established insurance companies. But maybe go and check it out to see if there's something there for for. for I just your think dog, it's one of those policy. things. I know I've harped on it before, but pet insurance is the way to go. Veterinary medicine. I mean, we just get more sophisticated. You know, you buy an X-ray machine. It's digital, which is great, but it costs forty-five to fifty thousand dollars. Right, and that's just a lot of X-rays. And the universities have even more sophisticated equipment with the MRIs and the CAT scans and all that. So mm-hmm. I, you know, if you want good medicine, you, you just have to pay for it. Gotta, and I just yeah. don't think the average Joe or Sally can afford the the treatments that mm-hmm. are required or diagnostics, that type of thing. So sure. Yeah. Do it. Uh, all right. I had a question here. Got asked me during the week, so this is not a live question. I hope whoever asked me is listening. We've been talking about uh, dogs getting distracted 
while at home, chewing on things, kind of acting out, being distracted. And they asked me, well, when we leave the house, um, we leave the TV on for the dog. Uh, and I've had other people I know, they leave a radio on, uh, hopefully to the big 550, um, but I can't make them, uh, to kind of give something for their dogs or cats to see or listen to. And the question was, does that actually do anything? They seem to think that the dog or cat, you know, sits there and has some kind of interaction with it. They watch it. They listen. It placates them. It's something to do. Dr. Lang, is this actually a thing? Does this exist? Well, my cynicism is that kids, like animals, have a pretty short attention span. Mm -hmm. But last week when Tanya was here with the Cat Cafe, I went there, and they have a screen, and the picture is all kinds of birds. Normal, I mean, they're... Just birds. Birds. Yes. And... I mean, a lot of the cats were going up there trying to paw at the birds. They think so I think it was something like there. that. You know, yeah. if you if you turn on Hawaii Five O, I don't think it's going to last not, too long for NCIS. You know, yeah, they're right. not going to be they're not going to be watching the episode. Uh, but you know, for maybe it distracts them like that. You're saying if it's just the normal programming, the sound that that sounds like people are there. Does that does that not do anything? This was kind of their idea that they think that. Well, no one's home. They get stressed out when no one's home. We put some sound on of people talking. It makes them less stressed. Yeah. Does that, does I, that I ring any truth? I think it works, but I'm just kind of telling you my honest opinion. I just don't think the animals listen long enough. Or, again, maybe there's an animal show and there's a bunch of wolves howling or something like that. Mm-hmm. That may catch their attention, but I can't think for six to eight hours that that would be the case. Sure. It would keep their attention. But it's worth trying. All the articles I've read through years when pets have – separation anxiety, they get nervous when mom and pa go to work, that uh, that's that's what they recommend to do. But I'm not sure that's enough, but let's do it. But I, I would look into it. I don't have enough information, but I would Google, and I think there are some shows or presentations that are for animals, and mm-hmm. I think I would do something like that. Like I mentioned, the birds, the birds, pictures of the birds moving, that catches the cat's attention that I think they do spend a fair amount of time. My follow-up to that would be uh, I've heard that the laser pointer is stressful for the cats because they actually they never catch the the, right. the dot, right? That's what the problem is. They never actually get – they never finish you catching have to, the You have the to let the cats win once in a while right. where it looks like they're pouncing right on the mm-hmm. on the light itself because, yes, you're exactly right that they do get frustrated after a while, and then they may not do it at all. Why bother? Right. I mean, they do have that – mentality that if there's a prey they can't get let's let's forget it so if there are birds up on the screen they're obviously never going to catch anything yeah uh, it's not they're not there they're not there to be caught could this actually backfire and maybe cause some you know laziness sure. or some stress that they can't get this does that make any sense i i agree and i don't have a good answer you for don't have, it. Yeah. yeah i i could see it both ways i think it's worth trying and i think that'll catch more attention but yeah, it it could cause some fatigue or frustration, and they yeah. just say enough is enough type of thing. Or you know, do you turn the the presentation on every other day or something like? Instead mm-hmm. of you know, people will get thirty toys. They put all thirty toys right on the ground, and they don't know why people <laughs> don't why the animals right. don't want to go after right. it. Well, put one or two toys, switch around. So I think the novelty, whatever you do, is the most important, and not so much just do this, just do that. Every once in a while, you got to mix it up. Got to make things interesting for these animals, right? They yep. You, you know, can't just put everything in one corner, right? That's what you say. Uh, it's not you, – you wouldn't like it if, you know, right. every, you know, your food and water and bed were all in one corner of 
one small room, right? So exactly, yep. you got to make things interesting here. We'll take another break, and we'll talk on the Big 550 KTRS. The text line is 84126. The phone line, 314-931-5877. You can call in or text in any questions or comments. I'm Connor McCarthy with Dr. Dan Lang. This is Animal Talk. We'll be right back. In the year of the cat. Dr. Dan Lang wants to talk domestic animals with you. <laughs> this is Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS. Welcome back to Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS with Dr. Dan Lang here. I'm Connor McCarthy talking all things dogs, cats, pets, animals, and allergies, and <laughs> hedgehogs. Uh, we've We've kind of been hitting on these these kind of smaller animals. We've talked about ferrets. We've talked about uh, rats and rabbits. And uh, of course, we've talked rabbits. about yep. we've talked about rats in the past. Uh, which we might be the most pro rat radio show in the, the the area, the state, the country. I, I'd like to see one that's more <laughs> pro rat than us. Uh, that's good. But today, you wanted to talk a little bit about hedgehogs. Uh, are they very common? Is that is no, I can't imagine they're you as know, common as these other ones, but do they are they still there as pets? I see a few and now there's more exotic veterinarians and these are people that have gone to further schooling. I'm still consider myself a general practitioner and I'm happy to see the pocket pets, but maybe some of the other uh specialists for exotic animals have, have seen. Sure. But it was kinda in the late nineteen nineties, maybe the just beginning of the two hundred two thousands that we did see a fair number. And the reason I kind of want to talk to is more just kind of entertaining because, as you may or may not know, their whole side and back is full of spines. Sure. And the challenge is, well, when they get nervous, they have muscles on their belly and the sides, and it just draws them up into a ball. Mm -hmm. So hard to get at. Right. And so they get nervous, and they just start uh, hissing a little bit, and they go right into a ball. And so the... Kind of the joke is, but it, it would be kind of frustrating that I would kind of step back. Okay, we'll give them a few seconds here. Wait till they relax, and um, I. So once they're relaxed, or I maybe even get it on the on the pet owner's arm, somebody they know, and I try to look at them. And in the minute I you know got near them, right back into a ball. Right again. back into a ball. And it's almost like, Mister, <laughs> you just come and get me, type of thing, mm-hmm. or you know that they almost like they thought it was a game of, of some sort yeah, yeah. going on. And then my joke was that um, that I would tell them, well, I'm a doctor. Just trust me. Everything will be fine. Did they listen? Was they that... did not listen. <laughs> and I would tell them, well, I only have 30-minute appointments. I, I need to get going on this. You know, I tried to be very, very logical with them, and uh, I had no luck at all. And finally, I would just say, oh, you're so cute. But under my breath, I was going, you bastard, you know, just kind of saying nasty stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe they heard that because I don't have a very good whisper. But I figured it out that eventually the score was 138 to 0, that there was not a single one that I could really they, get a they good never example listened. They, they never always, listened. always did what they should. And seriously, now we have to kind of give them a gas anesthetic just to get them completely relaxed. Otherwise, it's pretty difficult to, mm. to look them over. Well, I was talking to some of my pickleball people, and they were we talked about porcupines, and I mentioned the hedgehogs. And the interesting thing is that they were asking, well, do hedgehogs, I'm sorry, do porcupines throw their their uh, quills, and they do not. What happens is if a dog or person gets close enough, the 
the quill will actually get in your skin. And the thing is, it's a barb like a fish hook. I was going to ask, how sharp are they? Are so they... that's pretty nasty. Well, the hedgehog, the good news is they don't release them, mm-hmm. but they hurt like the devil. Mm. I mean, they're, they're basically just modified hairs or like our nails. And so, but the, the tips just kind are of sharp. harder, sharper right, hair. Right, right, yeah. right. Well, that doesn't sound very pleasant. So sound anyway, very pleasant. yeah, it, it still was bad, but I would like I was going home, honey. I got a bunch of hedgehog spines in my skin. You know, that wasn't anything of that so, mm-hmm. of that sort. But uh, they they are very cute, and people always ask, well, what how, what's the name? How does the hedgehog get its name? Well, the snout actually does look like a little pig. Or oh, a, they have kind a, of a, a sn- they kind of have a snout nose, right? Uh, right. Okay. And in the wild, they do like to get into hedges or kind of uh, heavy landscape where they can kind of hide. So they were the, so that's how the, they kind the of got their hedgehogs. name, hedgehogs. Okay. But the problem is like the ferrets, they are illegal in Georgia, Hawaii, California, Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C., and part of New York. And the reason is that if they're released into the wild, they will actually compete with the local uh, habitat oh, okay. and cause problems with it. And so that's why they're illegal. I never realized illegal. that that was... A thing. I, I, I guess what I never realized where so, they were from. Uh, I guess are they European? Uh, I don't know if you. That's a good. You probably question. don't have that. I don't that have much it, research, uh, but. but uh, so as a pet, I mean, you said they were more would be more common in the past than now. It, were they good pets? I think because they were. Pets. They had all I, these I sharp they, things, they not exactly <laughs> cuddly, right? Uh, I mean, what are the yeah. what are, what would people do with them, right? Because uh, if you can't really, I think touch it was, them. It was more just having kind of an interesting. I mean, they're mammals, but you know, mm-hmm. most of our mammal friends are have hair, something kind of just soft, kind of so kind of a different kind of, kind of unique, animal, right? It's okay. it's kind of unique type of type of thing. They will live four to six years, but they do eat all kinds of uh, both meat, like worms and insects, and they do uh, eat vegetation as well. So they have a pretty wide large, ranging diet, right? So mm-hmm. that kind of helps a little bit on that. But the, you'll you'll get a kick out of this is that they can run four miles an hour, which is not. I mean, it's it, it's, it's the, a fairly they're very small animals, right? And they so. can swim, so they're oh, kind of wow. athletes. They can swim. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I've never ever considered that they would be in the water. Um, can all animals swim? Is that a thing? Have we talked about what animals can't swim? Well, that's a good question. Kind of think naturally, right? You just kind of start pedaling, uh, but. Maybe that's a maybe yeah, that's a question for next week. Maybe that's a research you. topic. Good way of getting out of it. What can and can't swim out there? Maybe anyone on the text line can answer if you've seen an animal that can't swim. Maybe an elephant, right? I or, but well, they I wade. don't know. They, I don't know if they swim they or weigh not. A lot, so. so maybe we'll, yeah. I'll get I'll get the information. So right. stay tuned and next week stay we'll have some information what animals can swim or not swim. But uh, but anyway, they're they're interesting animals. Had didn't see a lot of them, but. I more just kind of wanted to talk about the mm-hmm. challenge of trying to get an exam. Sure. You know, with the other animals, most time they'll put up with their nonsense. But mm-hmm. hedgehogs that make it a little more challenging. Not them. Uh, you mentioned that nowadays people would probably go see a specialist for yep. these kinds of things. And you've mentioned before that every kind, if you, there's so many more specialties now than there used to be. I mean, are we going to get to a point where everything is a specialty in the vet? veterinary field and even you know dogs and cats you'll go see different people for uh well there are who, go, who is no- going into the general kind of yeah uh medicine <clears throat> when these other specialties exist i don't know how updated it is but i've talked to some younger graduates and at least 30 percent of the graduates go on to a specialty 
which feels like a lot right. to me. I, I mean, it was more, I mean, we maybe had five or six out of a class of 105, but mm-hmm. that was 40 years ago, that, sure. that went into a specialty, but um, I think a lot more going on. To me, after eight years, that was enough. I didn't want to go another. <laughs> you didn't three want to years. keep going. Spend That's your the whole thing with getting a specialty, right? You got to keep. You got to keep going into school. Although some people. That is, uh, that's what they want to do, right? But now there are veterinarians that just do felines or cats. There, well, there are, are cat, cat there animal are cat specialties that just do it. So uh, most of them are the cats and dogs, most animal houses. And I think there's still a good number of, of general practitioners. But, you know, it gets more sophisticated, like human medicine. And I think it is going to get more and more specialties. But the exotic animal is a relatively new specialty where they deal with zoo mm-hmm. animals and the pocket pets that I do, birds. And reptiles. I mean, again, it's it's just impossible. I think people expect better medicine than they did when I first started practicing, and it's just hard. You just can't keep up with every type of animal right. that's you available. Can't, you can't be an expert on every single right. animal that someone might right. have as a pet. Right. I mean, it makes sense, but of course, it was. It'll probably get harder and harder to go to know where to go. Right. Uh, at a certain point, you'd just go down to the vet down the street. Right. And you know, he would take care of whatever you had. Well, that's it. I I don't know how to describe it, but. When I had my when I graduated, you kind of did everything because the only specialist was at Columbia, the vet school, mm-hmm. and you know most people didn't want to go ninety or hundred miles to take their pet to the vet. But now they, maybe they're more willing to do so, or yeah, there's I think there's more a closer willing, one. But, but more practitioners are specialists that they've maybe worked at the school for a while. And actually, when I went to the convention, that's the problem. Because the people that are at the school probably get paid half of what the practitioners oh. that go out in private practice sure. do, like in the in the St. Louis metropolitan area. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to hard to keep people that do research, teach students, and so that's that's kind of one of the dilemmas, and probably one of in the human problems. medicine as yeah. as well. Uh, we text here about hedgehogs from six one eight. Hedgehogs are not native to North America. However, there is an extinct species that used to be. So how about that? Excellent. A little. Some experts out there on the text line, you know, if someone's always listening, they always know about whatever we're talking about. Uh, all right. In the last couple minutes here, Dr. Lang, we haven't talked about it in a while. Uh, an update on the book. Do you have any updates for us? Maybe I, I don't know if I've asked in the last month or so. You have, uh, and I just keep plugging along on different topics and uh, trying to put the stories that mm-hmm. I've had. Now, I know a lot of the times you come in with whatever you've been researching yep. or talk, writing well, I, for the book. So what it, was this Was this week on hedgehogs writing? It uh, was, and actually today I was working on bladder stones. Maybe we can talk about that. The people oh. get kidney stones, mm-hmm. but a lot of dogs and cats get bladder stones. And uh, yeah. it's, and so we can yeah. discuss the options of doing surgeries. But I've had some stones fill up the whole bladder when I, have, when I do surgery. And I just wonder, how do they urinate? You know, there's just no room in the bladder anymore. Because they actually are rocks that, I mean, they feel yeah. just like rocks. Not to preempt maybe I don't a topic next much. week, but are they are they like kidney stones? Are they going to cause the same problems, but they're just in the bladder, not the kidney? Well, the problem is us males are a disadvantage, but because the uh, urethra, the exit to the outside is much narrower, Male mm-hmm. dogs and cats are more predisposed. They have more to problems get a, with a total it. blockage, and that's that's life threatening. So yeah. Uh, so. All right. Well, let's not let's not spoil too much of next week's. But topic. I'm, I'm just yeah. I'm looking into getting an illustrator because I would like to, for some of the stories or okay. things I'm talking about. It, it would relate more. People could actually see pictures, yeah. not the too graphic, but enough that maybe they shouldn't eat dinner when they're reading the book or something like well, that. Well, you know, it's not necessarily a textbook, right, uh, where you just <laughs> exactly. need to see all the diagrams, but it can be nice to see some things here and there with yeah. that. I think it just adds a little bit more to the stories, yeah. and I think that uh, 
So I'm do just we, kind of working on that. Do we have a full first draft yet? Are we at that well, point? Well, I'm hoping How? for the middle of the summer because okay. of the nasty weather we've kind of had. I've been able to do. You've been locked a inside. I, yeah. you've, been, you've been forced to write. And I try to tell my wife, oh, "I'm sorry, honey, I, I can't do my chores today. Can't I, do the I gotta, chores today. I got to do two thousand words write. a day. You know, and, and I'm kind of making it up a little right. bit. So don't tell anybody, but um, <laughs> it's um, it's well, kind of my excuse as well. Well, but. I'm waiting for a first draft, of course. I think uh, maybe a lot of other people are I may are tell waiting. some versions of, you know, or give some of the literature yeah, and read yeah. a little bit there, not to bore people too much. But. You know, there's it's a it's a process, right? You it write is. and you rewrite and you rewrite and you rewrite. Yep. But uh, I enjoy it. it. It's a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. may not come to anything, but it just kind of brings back memories of sure. things I've done before and how much information changes. They claim that every ten to twenty years, half the information you learned is no longer no longer useful. no longer relevant. So that's kind of disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have some more information for you next week, <laughs> and, this and, will be and we'll talk information. correct information at two o'clock. Uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for everyone for joining us this week on Animal Talk. Next week, we'll have plenty to talk about. Plenty of new information. Thanks for joining everyone. The views and opinions expressed in the preceding paid program are those of the host, callers, and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this station, its management, or owners.